previously. But like if I'm starting today, is there any kind of path that you would recommend someone take based on what you've seen? Like, do I become a CCNA? Do I go and do DevNet? Is that, what, what are the sort of the technologies? We did this before, but I'd like to get an updated list. Are there any top five, top 10 technologies that you think are really important? And are there any, is there any path to get there? Well, you see, it depends on whether you're looking short term or long term. Short term today, I would go with automation or cloud. These are the things that will be probably in greatest demand in the next three to five years. Long term, learn the fundamentals. IP routing hasn't changed in 40 years. Ethernet hasn't changed in 40 years. Everything we did was up the speeds. 400 gig Ethernet is still Ethernet. Yeah, yeah. It's still running IPv4 and IPv6 on top of that. And it's still transporting more IPv4 than IPv6. TCP is slowly changing with quick and things like that, but OSPF is there. BGP will not go anywhere. ARP will be there forever because, you know, if you have layer two and layer three, you have to map them somehow. So regardless of what, you know, pays the bills, learn the fundamentals because eventually you will need them. Yeah. And eventually every environment will get to a point where the network will be down. And who will troubleshoot that? The Python guys, the cloud guys, or someone who took time and learned the fundamentals. Okay, so what are the what are the skills that you reckon are important? And when you say fundamentals, how would I learn that? CCNA is not bad. Yep. But look at CCNA not as a cert. Well, yeah, we said it's, you know, just to prevent being thrown out of the huge pile of CVs. Yeah, just go for it and get the cert and you learn something. But more importantly, figure out what are the things that you should get out of CCNA. How does Ethernet work? How does routing work? Uh, what is IP, subnetting? Uh, do they do port channels? Yes. Port channels, spanning tree, OSPF, that stuff. And then, you know what? Build a lab with Cumulus VX boxes and do that same thing on Linux. Just for the giggles. And then you'll learn how, yeah, it's different CLI, it's different approach, it's monolith versus multiple processes. But in the end, you'll get OSPF running between a Cisco box and a Linux host. And then you will understand how things work a little bit better than before. So when we spoke, quite a, it's about a year ago already, you mentioned like some skills, like you need to learn Linux. You've kind of mentioned that again. Um, so for the short term, so I mean, <laughs> everything short term these days, but let's say in the next two to three years, what, or five years even, what do you think are the top skills that I should learn if I'm trying to get into this industry? You've mentioned CCNA kind of like gets you the basics of networking, um, but do you have any other like sort of 
high-level skills that you think are really important? Like if you had to choose five things or 10 things, what, what would you pick? Linux, perhaps, and then? Well, uh, we mentioned learning, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, deep work. Uh, I, I read the book Deep Work by Cal Newport, I think. Yeah, it's a good book. Uh, yeah. it's, it's an awesome book, and it sent me thinking. So, you know, your brain is your most valuable muscle. And if people are willing to spend time in the gym and train the other muscles, you should train your brain as well. Which means that you should be able to, you know, take a problem and focus on that problem and work on that problem for like three to four hours uninterrupted. And if you can't do that, you have a serious problem. The other thing is just, you know, do honest work. In the evening, look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, did I do everything I could do today to get the job done? And if the answer is, nah, then you have a problem. I'm going to push you, Ivan, because you've mentioned like uh, it's more philosophical type stuff, which I think is really, really important. But are there any practical skills that you think I should... Like you mentioned cloud. Should I like... And I, I don't... If you're not happy with the question, that's fine. But like you mentioned CCNA, should I go and do AWS like associate cert? What, what do you think are the big trends or the certs or the knowledge that I should try and get in the next few years? Well, uh, definitely. So don't ask me about the certs because honestly, I don't care about them. Yeah, that's fine. So give us like sort of the technologies. Yeah, uh, I told you, uh, you, you need some basic networking fundamentals. Yep. So how do networks work? Uh, then, you know, cloud work... Clouds work slightly different than the traditional networks. So learn how cloud networking works. Don't, don't only focus on networking because, you know, once you get to the clouds, it's all intermixed. Yep. It's VMs, it's storage, it's containers, it's lambdas, it's networking, it's load balancing, it's uh, security, packet filters, application firewalls. And you know what? It's all free. All three big cloud providers have a free tier. Use it. The only thing it's costing you is your time. And yeah, then the next thing obviously is uh, figure out how to automate stuff. So for example, you're studying for CCNA. For God's sake, don't use GUI to set up your lab. <laughs> Use Ansible, use CLI, use API, use anything but GUI. Yep. You want to, you know, set up your OSPF lab? Don't even think about logging into five routers and typing in IP addresses. What have you learned? Typing skills. Hooray! We really <laughs> need that. Automate that. Learn Ansible. Learn how to build configs. Push configs to the boxes. You'll master CCNA, you'll master networking, you'll figure out how things work, plus you'll learn something else. Once you start doing that, don't have script.1.1.a.3.z <laughs> on your folder. Use Git branches. Figure out how you can experiment and test things out and, uh, you know, destroy failed experiments and accept 
successful experiments with, for example, Git branches. Everything you do, there is always something extra you can do to learn something else, not just the one thing that you are working on. And you know what? It's all free. Git is free, Ansible is free, Linux is free, Baseline Cloud Theory is free, Cumulus VX is free, Juniper VSRX 3.0 is free, Arista EOS is free. Well, the Vagrant box. Yeah. Cisco is not free. Who cares? Oh yeah, Nexus 9000V is. iOS is not free. Forget iOS. Let's move on. <laughs> Sorry, Cisco. Get your house in order. That, that's funny that you mentioned that because one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Ivan, is Cisco, Juniper, Arista, what should I learn? I mean, you've mentioned Cumulus quite a few times. so you'd... All of them. All of them. It doesn't matter. You know, it really depends on do you want to be a CLI jockey or do you want to be an engineer? Do you have a brass mechanical engineer and an iron mechanical engineer and a steel mechanical engineer? I don't think so. Good point. So why do we have a Cisco CLI jockey and a Juniper CLI jockey and an Arista CLI jockey? They all run OSPF. It's just configured differently. Well, no, Arista is using industry standard CLI. So in other words, you're saying learn the technology like OSPF. Don't worry so much about the CLI. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, uh, honestly, what I did was uh, uh, probably two months ago now. I said, well, now I want to build a tool to set up my automation labs. So that, yeah. Yeah. So I built that Python tool that takes the lab topology and creates device data models. And now I can do initial config and the next step I'll do, for example, OSPF or BGP or what have you. But as part of that experience, I built boxes for as many different platforms as I could get my hands on. Uh, Nexus OS is downloadable. Uh, VSRX 3.0 is downloadable. Yeah. Uh, VMX I think isn't, but it's a mess to set up anyway because uh, they want to have two VMs, one for data plane, one for control plane. So just go with VSRX. Yeah. Uh, Arista is downloadable. Um, Nexus One Nine Thousand V is downloadable. Cumulus is downloadable. The problem I had was that I wanted to do this on KVM because you know learn a new stuff. Yeah. Vagrant on uh, Mac OS or Windows. It works out of the box. You can just pull down the boxes. It all works. It's all crap, but it works <laughs> and you learn nothing new. So I built all those boxes myself and now I have a running uh, libvirt environment on a Linux box with automatic provisioning. And I just build the lab topology and bam, it goes up. And now I can really test anything I want between like four different vendors. That's totally different than trying to learn, you know, the CLI commands for a single vendor. And it's not harder because they are similar. Yeah. Well, ignoring Juniper, Juniper is special. <laughs> but even Cumulus, you know, once you get it up and running, it's, uh, yeah, layer two stuff is special, interfaces are special. But once you get to OSPF and BGP, it's free-range routing, which is Quagga, which is really Cisco syntax. 
Ivan, what do you, what do you think are the next big trends? Um, what do you think is a good trend or trends to look at if you're just starting in, in this industry? So are there any waves that I can ride if I've just started? For a young person going into, you know, IT, I would say focus on the cloud. Okay. Because everyone will have to do something with the clouds eventually. And traditional environments will have no idea whatsoever how to do that. So, you know, it's like uh, when we went from COBOL to JavaScript 30 years ago or whatever it was. Or, or, or was it Java? Probably more Java than JavaScript. Uh, there were tons of people familiar with the old technologies and no one familiar with the new ones and everyone wanted to be hip and use the new stuff. And probably cloud is the new stuff, at least in some geographies. Obviously not for Silicon Valley, obviously not for startups, but for traditional IT, do you think they can spell cloud? <laughs> so it's something up there in the sky, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It rains, right? Yeah. So, Ivan, you've mentioned Git already. So it's interesting. What's your opinion of Cisco DevNet and that those kind of certifications? They can't hurt. Yeah. Uh, so you see, it's always the question of where you're coming from and uh, why you need certain things. Yep. So if you are an existing networking engineer and you think that uh, you have to become a programmer, which is a wrong idea, but we can go there some other time. Uh, then yes, something like DevNet is the right thing to do because you already have networking expertise. You know nothing about Python and REST API and Git and all that stuff. You have to learn those things. If you're a developer, then you already know all those things. And if you want to be, you know, a network automation developer, then maybe you should focus more on uh, understanding how networks really work. Because, you know, you have the developers that can develop anything and are not good at anything. And then you have people who have actually worked in some industry for ages. So, for example, you might have a mediocre developer who has been working in chemical industry for the last 20 years. He will beat any whisket because he knows all the dirty details, all the requirements, all the regulations, all the audits you have to go through. Whereas, you know... Someone who might be a brilliant programmer has no idea about the industry. And the same thing, if you want to be a good developer in network automation space, then maybe it's more than Python. Maybe you should know how networks really work. Do you, th do you think there's gonna be a trend where network engineers, the traditional network engineers are replaced with guys who do automation? Is it, are we kind of all forced to do automation now? Well, you see, uh, the way we've been doing things in the past is crazy. Yeah. I mean, just configuring the same crap on thousand remote office routers manually and using Excel to replace the IP prefixes in your configuration. It's the future. <laughs> what stone age are we living in? Exactly. 
so yeah, uh, we, we need to clean up the crap that we're in. And uh, one way of cleaning it up is through network automation. You've been in this game for a long time. What would you suggest someone do if they're starting out? So in other words, you know, if you could go back in time, or let's say you were 18 years old and you started today, what would you tell your younger self? Oh, my younger self? Okay. Or anyone in the industry, you know, what would you well, advise that, someone that, to do? That, that, that's probably a bit different, uh, but yeah, let's start with my younger self. Okay. The most important lesson, technology doesn't matter as much as you think it does. So honestly, uh, you know, when you're young and brave and stupid, <laughs> you think that you can solve all the problems with throwing technology at them. Uh, doesn't work that way. Then you play MacGyver and you solve impossible problems by configuring stuff in the way it was never designed to be configured. It works in a lab, it breaks in production, you're caught at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you have to rush off to the customer to fix your crap. Uh, you learn. <laughs> uh, then, you know... Sometimes it might work for a year or two, and then you install a new software release, and of course it crashes because no one ever used the same box in the same combo with the same config, and you felt so smart, and now you feel uh, utterly stupid and mad at the bloody vendor for sending you the bug, <laughs> uh, forgetting that you are the only idiot in the world using that particular code path. So, minor things like that. Oh, there's one more. Uh, old people aren't stupid, uh, contrary to what all the youngsters believe. And I'm not like defending myself. <laughs> I was in that position. Uh, if they do something and you think it's totally stupid, uh, it might be. I mean, after all, uh, they might have stopped thinking after a while and just do things the way they do things because they've always done things that way. But there usually is a reason behind that. The reason might be irrelevant or it might be wrong or, you know, whatever. But you have to find out the reason first before you're trying to fix stuff. Uh, there's this English saying, and I always forget what it is, about not moving a fence that you encounter if you have no idea why the fence is there. Yeah, so I mean, basically, you were like that when you were younger. I think most of us were. You, you, you oh, know, yeah, of course. You, you, you knew better than other people. Everyone else, of course. Yeah. Especially yeah, if they were I was older. the smartest it, person in the universe. Of course. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the running joke today is like, boomers, get out the way. So you, you, you're basically telling yourself, if you, were, if you were younger, that's a mistake, is that right? Well, think first. That's the most important message. There's a reason people are doing things. Figure out what the reason is. Don't just rush in and, you know, take over and do your stuff thinking you know best. Sometimes you do know better. Sometimes they do stuff for stupid reasons. Sometimes they really are boomers. But sometimes <laughs> there's something behind it that you just don't get. So, I mean, if my counter to you would be like technology is changing the world. I mean... When we were kids, you know, Facebook didn't exist, Instagram, all these, you know, massive websites. So surely technology is really, really important. Or what are you saying to your younger self that you should learn apart from technology? Uh, listening. That's a good one. People skills. Communicating. 
listening. Did I say listening? You did. <laughs> <laughs> listening. <laughs> now, uh, the, the most important thing is listening to what people are telling you and trying to understand what they're really saying, not what you're hearing. Because sometimes, a lot of times we have a problem because they're using their terminology and you think it means something else and in the end you do something or you implement something that is total crap, like my favorite one, you know, it's stretching VLANs across yep. two data centers. Layer two, your favorite. Layer two. Layer two into the cloud. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, <laughs> Earth is flat, right? What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've heard this a lot. People talk about people skills and doing things differently. But the question I wanted to really ask you is, give us an example of where you really messed up, where if you... If you had your wisdom and the experience that you have today, you wouldn't have perhaps gone and done something. So it's always nice to get a story of where, you know, you made a mistake. Oh, like uh, things like debug IP BGP on the core router that connected the uh, uh, a country to the wider internet. That sounds like a good example. So tell us a bit yeah, about that. And well, you know, we were setting up a BGP feed with the upstream provider and we already had a number of production customers on that box. That was the router. That was the hub of the commercial internet in Slovenia. And BGP, uh, we were getting some prefixes and I got the route maps wrong or something. Uh, so, of course, what do you do? Debug IP BGP. Let's see all the updates. Well, yeah, 100,000 <laughs> updates later on a console port of a Cisco router. The real problem is uh, for the youngsters who don't know that. In the good old days, I don't know whether that still works today, you were able to break into iOS on the console port. So you would send the break signal and you would yep. be in a debugger. Yeah. Which means that console must be the highest priority interrupt on the system. Otherwise, you know, something could lock it out. Yeah. Now, imagine that you are generating thousands of highest priority interrupts per second just because someone is printing debugging messages to the console. Obviously, the router just goes like, ah, I don't want to leave anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, it's great to hear stories like that because you're very respected. And I mean... These days, people look at you and think, you know, this guy can't make a mistake. So it's great to hear that oh, you, 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 know, you, like, you actually are uh, human. <laughs> designing a network with 20 parallel EIGRP processes? <laughs> you did that. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah, but is that an example of you, like, like you said earlier, you taking your technical knowledge um, and trying to fix a bad design? Like, I mean, I think you've mentioned this in other, in other videos where you talk about like OSPF craziness and just trying to sort out mad stuff because you, you can. Yeah, you know, when you're young and uh, crazy, you think that you can solve every problem out there with technology. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my, uh, my EIGRP design was one of those things. Effectively, the customer needed MPLS VPN. Uh, and we told them how to do stuff, install core routers and then install route filters on the core router so that the edge routers will only get certain prefixes. They had, you know, a shared address space for everyone and MPLS VPN wasn't even on the drawing board. So we couldn't use that. 
And the customer said, no, 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 you know, for political reasons, it has to be frame relay in the middle from company X and uh, routers at the edges bought from our company. You know, the pie chart diagram, every supplier has to get certain percentage of the business, so no one will complain. Layer 9 or 10, right? Yep. In the OSI model. Uh, and so we had to do something and uh, they wanted, I think they wanted to implement the whole thing with frame relay DLCIs so that, uh, you know, every uh, tenant would have its own partial mesh of frame relay circuits. But there was this, still this problem of the, well, there were two problems. One was that they had a central site and everyone had to connect to that central site and then you get route leaking and uh, isolation is gone. And even more interestingly, they had multiple tenants sitting in the same building and they were not keen on buying a router per tenant. I don't know why. I mean, after all, they wanted to have frame relay and, you know. <laughs> anyway, so we solved that thingy by running yeah one ERGRP process per customer man yeah and i even asked the friends at cisco tech what they think about that and they go like yeah it should work but do remember that you are the only one in the world doing that so you might encounter a few extra bugs oh wow and i'm assuming that's what happened yeah no actually that thing worked. It was too successful. Too successful. Because, so you can like solve every problem now. Uh, well, yeah, they thought so. So what happened was that the customer, you know, took that, ran with it, and then they figured out that they needed to provide internet access to those locations and central services and something else. And oh, and they had <laughs> regional hubs. So in the end, it was this orthogonal matrix of ERGRP processes per regions and ERGRP processes per tenants and two-way redistribution between them. But at least you had job, job security, didn't you? Well, someone, uh, <laughs> another consulting company took over that design and they were milking the customer for years. I can imagine. But yeah, they had job security. 